This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, y'all. Welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. This is episode number three in a four-part series. I'm so excited for this piece of it. We have talked about planning from a different perspective in that first episode of this series, from a more value-based perspective. In the second episode, I talked about really the magic in creating 90-day goals and 90-day plans. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how you, yes, you, and me, and all women everywhere, we really can have it all. We can have it all, whatever that means for you. For me, that means meaningful work and an amazing relationship with my kids and my husband and friends and parents and all the things and an amazing relationship with my body so that I'm feeling well enough to show up to all those other things. And the most important part is that we can have all these things and still really feel balanced. I feel like we've been taught that we have to choose. We're always having to choose between work and life, right? It can't, it's not, nothing we can balance. We, we choose. When we're a mother or we're working, we're choosing that or our wellness. It's not, there's not this like triangle of things that we can include and feel balanced. And I just think that's not true. So we're going to really bust that wide open in this episode, because my guess is, is that by this point in the series, you might be thinking like, great, Mia, it's kind of inspirational to hear your story. I'm excited to hear it. And I just don't, I just don't think that's possible for me. I think I'm too busy. Like my kids aren't like your kids, like whatever the things are that are coming up. And I totally hear that. So I really want to take you through why that might be coming up and how I really think that, yes, of course you can do this, because then I'm going to give you some extra tools that are going to make that possible. So I want to start off with the history of the planner, which is kind of an unusual place for me to go, because I'm definitely usually act more from intuition than research. Um, that's not true. I have a lot of research. If I'm planning something, I, I go with my intuition and then I'll find the backing to it, but I'm, I'm not always going and find, I'm not a fact finder. That is not my go-to. But the facts around the history of the planner are really interesting, especially when it comes to this topic. So in 1773, that was a pretty long time ago, this guy named Robert, who was an aspiring publisher in revolutionary era Philadelphia, 
published what he claimed to be America's first daily planner. And here's why that was important. It was the first prefabricated planner, because remember, this is 1773. So like, it wasn't like you went to Barnes and Noble at that point, right? So it was a prefabricated planner. And the layout was very much like what we have today. And why this was significant at this time was because Americans had never seen their days sort of laid out before them. And by Americans, I'm just going to qualify that probably as wealthy male Americans, you know, had never seen their days, had never planned for their futures. They had always relied on the almanacs, predictions of the day that they were on, right? So it was always sort of more of a past focus than a future focus. So that was sort of the first iteration of the planner. Then after that, in post-Civil War, um, another set of planners came out. And these were sort of done in a more commercial realm. And had ads in them and whatnot. So that was sort of the business model. And they were they were marketed to, again, men coming back from fighting in, in the Civil War. And at the time, that meant that they were sort of like well-to-do men. So that's who this, this planner, this daily planner was made for in, in an effort to help them really get their feet back on the ground after being of service for however long they were they were fighting and coming back and, and getting back into life and, and creating a plan for that, which, you know, again, was something that was getting them on their feet. And it, but it was a, a very specific audience, well-to-do men coming back from war. So then eventually in the mid-19th century, these same planners or books became available to a broader audience, including, you know, more of the working class and women. And so that's when more people started using a daily, daily planner was in, in the mid 19th century. And what's fascinating to that to me is that even now, we can find so many beautiful planners that were made for women at places like Staples and Target and our favorite, you know, local paper stores. But basically, they have pretty flowers and maybe what someone has deemed some more feminine colors. But they're pretty close to the exact same thing that was made in 1775. And what's most important about that is that, you know, at that time, men weren't in charge of what was happening at home or with their children. And even if they were, even if there was a few that were, they, there certainly wasn't even as much to choose from. There wasn't as much going on at home and with children as there is today. There weren't as many choices. So I just want to go over a few of the reasons that I really, really feel like the system, like the planner we might just go pick up at the store, isn't, isn't made for us. And where those holes are so we can start to really understand how we can do differently going forward, okay? So building on that last thought, women are always thinking about work and family, right? So yes, a woman could plan for her work day or she could write a list of home tasks um, somewhere, usually not in the same place that you're planning for work. And, and this really does us, it doesn't do us any good because it's not whole enough. It's not big enough for all the things that we need. We're, we're so much more multifaceted than just having, you know, a planner that was made to get us 
get men back to work, right? There, there's more that we need. It also sets us always up for doing. And women really benefit from being, from quiet. The idea that there's like 24 hours in every daily planner and we're supposed to fill all them, that's a really like being energy, right? So I mean, doing energy, sorry, it's not a being energy. And so we have to remember to not fill all that, not fill all that with things that aren't serving us. The other thing about the original planner, the one that we still, many of us still use, is that it depicts a very linear version of time. So that concept that I shared in the first episode of this series, that we're looking more at the value of of the things that we're doing, that really isn't even part of it, obviously, because that's why I was sharing that. But but it, it's really reinforcing this idea that time is linear, which We're going to go with Albert Einstein on this one, because listen to what he said. He said, people like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. So basically, the planners we use have been reinforcing a very persistent illusion. (laughs) And so that's what we're trying to really get out of um, as we're starting to think through how we plan our days in a different way. And here's the most important thing about women and the original daily planner is the original daily planner assumes every day is the same. That's how it's made. But women don't actually reset every day. Men actually do. Men reset every day. That's their rhythm. Their rhythm is that their body literally resets every day. Women, we're on a cycle, a 28-day cycle. Does that sound familiar? Whether you're menstruating or not, women are on a different hormonal cycle than men. We do not recycle, we do not recycle, we do not restart every day the same way. And this is like so important because we need a system that can really help us do that. And most of us, unless you had like I don't know, the best mama ever. Well, that's not, that's not even fair to say because we just didn't know this. We didn't know this before, right? And so we, we need a system that's different because it will remind us that every day is not the same, okay? So here's another quote. I'm full of quotes today. This one's from Oprah. Oprah says, you can have everything, just not all at once. I love that quote. I'm going to say it again. You can have everything, just not all at once. And this is going to bring me into the the second concept, because this concept from Oprah was key to the big food changes that I made in a very short period of time. It was key to driving across the country with three kids for my year-long book tour. It was actually key to writing a best-selling book to begin with as a dyslexic person, It was key in growing my business while navigating last year the hardest, hardest personal year of my life um, when one of my kids was really suffering. So way back when, before the flow planning method, I always had a calendar for work. I mean, I've always, I've always loved calendars. I have to admit that. And, you know, my calendar for work always had client meetings and due dates It was totally based on the one from 1773, just as all of our calendars mostly are. And it had a random assortment of other things that I sort of needed to remember in the other roles that I embody, like some school events, plane departures if I was traveling, doctor's appointments, important birthdays. Like they ended up alongside my work, but mostly if they affected my work, right? Like I wasn't, it wasn't like a holistic planning situation. 
the rest of my life, all the other things in my life pretty much, lived on lists. Lists of meals on the fridge that we might eat that week, lists of ingredients to buy on my phone, lists of activities I wanted to do with the kids, all kinds of holiday lists and I don't know, like to-do lists, bucket lists. I also consider journaling. I've always been a journaler. Journals are kind of like lists. They're lists of all the things that I'm thinking about, all the thoughts I'm having. They just come out in a slightly different form. And so I was always writing these things on scrap pieces of paper in a million started notebooks. They would end up at the bottom of my purse and in stacks on my desk all over the place, right? And the thing is, is this was great, like not the piece about them ending at the bottom of my purse, but there was a lot of greatness in the energy of all my lists. Because list making is intuitive and feminine and creative and calming. And the practice of of making these lists has a lot to offer us as women. But the thing is, is as I alluded to, the lists eventually took on a life of their own and they became literally that never ending to-do list, which I'm assuming that maybe you can relate to. I'm hoping, I'm hoping you can relate to this. When I changed my food, I also had another habit that I don't always talk about. So that's what I want to share about today. This is the story I want to share, which is going to lead us into the tool that I'm going to give you um, to really help you solidify this idea that you can indeed have it all. And I don't always talk about this habit. I don't know why, but it just, it, you know, it dawned on me in more recent years what an important piece this was of my food transformation and all the transformations since. So every morning, um, as I, you know, this was 12 years ago, right after pretty much two days after that coffee cup moment, Every morning, I would rip a page off of one of those daily quote calendars. Do you know what I mean? They're like square pieces of paper, like a super thick pad has a quote. I'm assuming they still make those, but I had one with some really inspirational quotes on it. I was super excited about it. It didn't quite go with my whole thing of like wanting the perfect spiral bound planner or whatever, but I had it on my desk. I had the quotes. And what I would do is I would rip one off and I would read the quote and let the message sink in. I would really feel it. And then I would fold it in half so that, you know, my square piece of paper was now a pretty small rectangle and with blank on both sides because the quote was on the inside. And then I would recall what my goal was that I was working on. And at the time, I was really about getting healthy, right? It was about changing really 100% overhaul of my food. I just wanted to be healthy again. I wanted to have energy for my children. I wanted to have energy for work. I wanted to be happy. It came out probably a little bit different every day. Something that's really important about my goals that I've been doing ever since then is that they are always in the present tense. So they're always sort of not in the future, but they're assuming that they've already happened almost. Like I am my ideal weight. I am full of energy for my children. That's always how I write my goals. So I would recall my goal on one side of the paper. And then I would flip it over and I would write down one to three things that I would do to get toward that goal that day. And I would also write down either how long it would take me or exactly what time I would do it. So first I would choose the one to three things and then I would you know, look at my other calendar and find a time that would work to do these things and really agree with myself as I was writing down on this piece of paper that I would do this. And that habit stuck. 
So when food did not need to be my primary focus, the goal and the three things that I would write down each day, they got to shift and they would become about work or home or kids or whatever the the goal of that moment was. And I pretty quickly was moving into this concept of 90-day goals. A number of teachers were teaching that at the time, and I was quite clear. I didn't quite see the seasonality of it. I didn't see how it connected to feminine power and feminine seasons so much, but I, I was really excited to do things quicker. So I was I was going through goals pretty quickly and writing them on this paper and choosing the three things. This habit totally stuck. So when I was reached my health goal and I was feeling amazing, I shifted that goal to the next thing. Um, because food didn't necessarily need to be my primary focus. It's always been important, but it didn't need to be my primary focus. And so the goal would shift to work or home. I mean, that's how I ended up writing the book and going on the book tour and all the things, right? So there was always a goal and there was always those three things. And I bought multiple quote books over the years because this idea that I could rip this piece of paper off and then recycle it the next day and really commit was really helpful. So then when I went on the book tour, I met thousands of women and I was on the book tour for the book Plan Simple Meals, right? And so I was talking about food and health and kale and smoothies and all the things. And I kept meeting women who knew so much more about food than I did, or at least as much as I knew. They'd been doing it for longer than I had, right? I was still a pretty recent convert at the point that I wrote the book. It had been like maybe four or five years since I had changed my food and my family's food. And so I was feeling still like a a newbie. And I couldn't understand why the women who were coming to see me were the ones who were coming to see me. Um, Because They just seemed to know so much when I got into conversation with them. But what I realized pretty quickly is that no one was following through on their desires, whether that was to eat cleaner or make family dinner a thing or make just any of the parts of the 21 meals a week that we have to make just even a little bit easier. Everyone was just really overwhelmed. So when we started to get clear on their days and really where their obstacles really were, like really were. Um, Because I think a lot of us come to the table thinking our obstacles are the food or are the kitchen. But when we really started to like peel away all the layers, it always came back to time. And what I realized in the simplest form, because everybody has different stories, but in the simplest thing, really to make dinner and then sit down and enjoy it, it just takes almost an hour, no matter what, like, right, you have to make the food, even if you're heating up the food, and then sitting and eating, it's it's an hour thing. And I would say it's probably one of the most powerful, impactful hours we can spend in a day. But it can't happen in 15 minutes, it can't happen in 25 minutes, it takes closer to an hour, no matter what the you know, covers of magazines are telling us as we're checking out at the checkout at a supermarket, like it, you can't, have dinner in 10 minutes. (laughs) And so women were who were coming to these talks, they were running from work to after school activities, you know, some were trying to make it to the gym. And then they were scooping up kids to get them home. And I spent a lot of time on the West Coast. And in, in California, like traffic is a real big deal, like it takes hours to get places, probably it does around New York, too. Here, it's a little better, thank goodness. But like, there were some real time constraints. And The reason 
that the, everyone who ever came to a talk on my book tour or any talk for that matter or anything that you're wanting to do, the reason they had come was because they had a vision, right? They had that intuitive hit that we were talking about in the first episode of this series. And at this point, at the point when I was at the book tour, I had started to really understand that my intuition gives me the smartest advice, right? To go to that yoga class, to look at those coffee cups, to listen to this teacher who was going to teach me about the food, that I was done with the food that she was giving me and I was ready to take a class. Like those were all intuitive hits that I was ready to write a book. And I realized, you know, my intuition kept giving me all this amazing intel, these this, um, these amazing next moves. And my intuition would never give me something that I couldn't fulfill. So it was same with all the women, like all the women who were coming to my talks, they knew that they wanted to eat healthy food, or that family dinner would help their family, or they were really pulled toward taking better care of themselves. Like they knew this intuitively. And coming to this talk was just their next move, right? Their intuition, giving them the next step. And your intuition is so smart too. The smartest for you, right? Like nobody can, no book, no expert, no neighbor, no friend, no teacher of your children, no spouse even is as smart as that kind whisper, that nudge that really is the only voice that can tell you what's next in your parenting journey or your entrepreneurial journey or your food journey, right? It knows what's next. I feel strange calling it an it for some reason. I want it to not be it, but I'm going to call it it for right now. Intuition. And here's the thing about this wise, intuitive voice within us. It's so smart in terms of knowing what's next <laughs> and even knowing what the huge things are that we're going to take on because it, you know, and anything that our intuition tells us we're totally capable of, but it doesn't understand time. It assumes that you've already done it. It's as good as done, right? So we have to keep showing up like it's as good as done, but we actually have to show up in time and do it. So pre my coffee cup moment, I would decide all the things I wanted, right? I was, I've always been a dreamer. So I would decide all the things that I want, I want, and I would never do them. <laughs> I was a big dreamer. I would think about them all the time. I would get excited about them even, but I would pretty quickly get panicked about what it would look like to actually pull them off because they were feeling like they were so big and so outside of what I was capable of. But our intuition never serves us up something we're not capable of. That's just a side note. So I want you to remember for a second that overwhelm, balance, ease, panic, they're all feelings. And they create actions, right? And so for me, when I feel panic or overwhelm or, you know, any of those kinds of emotions, I pretty much don't move. I don't take next steps. So that's what was happening, right? All those times that these big things would be delivered, I wouldn't move because I, I panicked. So you may have felt this when you went to go 
choose your 90 day goal, right? Afterwards, you probably probably felt pretty excited during the 90 day goal, but maybe the little bit of panic or overwhelm came in when you're like, how am I going to do this? So that's where this next part is really, really important. 12 years ago, I did this on those little square pieces of paper. Um, When I was on the road, on my road, on the trip with my family, when this really all came into fruition and I understood what this, like how we needed to plan different, I was still doing it on my phone. And then that morphed into this planner that I made. So then I was able to do it in this one cohesive system, um, which I also pair with my electronic calendar on my phone or my Google calendar on my computer. I want to be clear that I have bought hundreds, maybe even thousands of planners and never finished them. It's got to be hundreds. It can't be thousands, right? And never finished them. I've had piles of scrap paper and post-its and backs of receipts and all the things with dreams and reminders to get toilet paper. (laughs) Like I've written things everywhere. And so between those two things, I, 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 the, this model from 1773 that got developed, this, this way to look at our days in a different way, to not rely on what others are telling us. I mean, basically, the, the shift from the planner to the almanac, it was like a shift from making our own choices, <laughs> hopefully our own intuitive choices, to listening to this other piece of advice. And we're just at a different level of that right now. But so much of the almanac energy is around us, right? Like this is what how, what you're supposed to do with your kids. This is what you're supposed to do with your career in school, all the things, right? So I believe that this model from 1773 really needs the feminine. It needs the feminine aspect of lists and creativity and writing. And our endless, endless lists need the masculine component so that we can really have this container and be held accountable to what it is that we're wanting to show up to, what our intuition is telling us is our next step. And so I believe this coming together of these two parts is the missing component. It's the missing piece. And let me just say this one other way. So on the other side of dreaming and sketching out goals and writing to-do lists, right? All those, I guess to-do lists aren't always fun, but for most of us, the sketching and the goal setting and the dreaming and the dream boards and the vision boards and all that is, is kind of fun. But on the other side of that, we have to find the time because otherwise it really does end up endless, right? We have to find the times because when we don't find time, what we're basically setting ourselves up for is letting our emotions stop us in our tracks. So when we're overwhelmed, we can't go, right? Lists don't do us good if we can't commit to the items with the time that we have. And so this process at a very high level is what we use each week um, in Flow 365. It's what is in the Flow Planner, and it creates results while also creating ease, which is why we're here, right, is to create ease, go from overwhelm to ease. And when I am feeling ease, and I've noticed this in others as well, but when I'm finding, feeling ease, I follow through 
right? So it's like, I'm making space for what matter, what's feeling like it matters most to me. I'm finding the time to do it. And because I'm doing that, I'm creating a sense of ease within me, which then helps me to follow through. So this is what that looks like when you're thinking about planning the week. And again, in, you know, there, this, this process is bigger and more complicated. And in the course from overwhelmed to ease, I go a little bit deeper into the nuances in Flow 365. We take this and we like totally open it up and go through it and have so much accountability around it and learn lots of different tricks and tools for all different kinds of scenarios. But with these next three steps, you can basically get going at a pretty massive level. So step one is to just get really clear on what your vision is for the week ahead. What will that feel like? So what is your vision and what will that feel like to you? So an example of a vision is like, I'm going to really lean into building my business or I'm going to take the time I need for my health. And again, it's that thing. It's we're going back to that quote of Oprah of you can have everything, but not all at once. So really create a focus for the week. What is your vision for the week? And what will that feel like to you to have that, to, to lean into that, to be that for a week? And then step two is you decide what are the three most important things that you will do this week that support that vision and feeling? What are the three most important things you're going to do? And I'm not talking huge things. I'm not talking, go write a book, start a whole new way of eating, go to the gym five days a week. No, 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 that's too big. I want the doable things. I want, I'm going to make it to the gym once. I'm going to Google this thing for 10 minutes so that I know what my next step is. I want you to be really, really um, tangible and actionable and feel the momentum towards what it is that you're wanting in your 90-day goal. And then once you decide what those three important things are, I would say that like, here's a good test for those three things, by the way, in the step two is make sure you can do them in an hour. I think that feels reasonable. Like, so somewhere under an hour, if it's starting to feel like four, that's too much. If you're at 90 minutes, go for it, but really get clear of what the three important things are and and how much time they're going to take you. Cause then in step three, you're going to decide when you're going to do these things. Okay. You're going to put them actually in a calendar and you're going to say, okay, on Monday at noon, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to spend 45 minutes doing it so that I can move this goal forward. And you're really going to see yourself putting it into time. And the more we go from this energy of creative, of tapping into our intuition, of seeing what's next and getting that and then putting it into time and this back and forth, that is what I call flow. It's this back and forth between intuition, time, intuition, time, intuition, time. Literally, we start creating magic and it really starts to feel like we're bending time. And as you're first starting this process on step three, when you're making the time, please add extra time. One of the things that can stop us in our tracks, as I was talking earlier, that idea of panic or overwhelm or frustration, um, because it can stop us in our track, plan for it, right? So put extra time in there so that you'll get it done, okay? So let's talk a little bit about how all this steps one, two, and three um, 
getting super clear on your vision, step one, step two being what are the three most important things you'll do this week, and then step three being when are you going to do them? How will these things get you out of the overwhelm of your endless to-do list and move you more into balance? That is the question I want you to really understand and walk away with. And here's why this works. So you're only going to look at your timed calendar for the week. You're not looking at post-its and receipts and backs of receipts and pages and pages of to-do lists. You're only looking at the calendar where you've time-blocked your week. You're going to tuck that long to-do list into your drawer, and you can come back to this every single week and do it again, and, and you can you know, cross things off that list. But during the week, when you're showing up to your days, you're only looking at time. And you're also, you're starting from a place of feeling. And that's a big difference. And that's really important. Starting from a place of feeling. You're deciding what that feeling means to you. And, and in what it means to you, like, what is that how, how does that make you show up to your week, right? Because you're, you're, you're responding to how you want to feel when you're deciding what it is that you're actually going to do in your week. And this is different. Like you might have the same two things could end up on your calendar. You might have dinner at six one week and you put it down there because I don't know, everyone's making dinner for their kids and everyone seems to think you're supposed to sit down, <laughs> right? And then, and that's why it's on your calendar and it, it becomes like this thing that's a burden and you don't want to do it ever and you don't like cooking and all the things. It always feels heavy. And that same dinner at six could come from a place of, I have a deep desire for connection with my family and what a good time to do that at this time when everyone needs to come together for food, that feels really powerful. So you're literally creating different stories because you have a different reason for showing up that has so much more power because it's connected to emotion. Does that make sense? And the other, the last reason that I think it's also really impactful and helps you get into balance is you are you're in flow. You are doing that that dance between list and time, list and time, list and time. And neither of them is living exclusively because exclusively is out of balance, but together is a dance and it really can be in balance. So I'm going to say something a little bit controversial, maybe, but I think it's true. Busy, busy is a choice even maybe for you. All right, busy is a choice. Busyness has a lot less to do with the actual number of things on our to-do lists and way more to do with how we're thinking about them. All right, so busyness does has nothing to do. Like I could have the same 10 things that I'm doing this week one way and another way. I could literally look, look at them different ways. And one way I feel like busy and out of control. And the other way I feel calm and centered. So it has nothing to do with that. It's about how we are thinking about what we have to do and how we're letting ourselves look at them. It's way more in our control than we think. So who is excited? Are you excited about this new kind of week where you can really, really feel at ease 
and maybe even get more done. Can you imagine feeling at ease and getting more done than usual? It's cool. So join me on the next episode if you're liking this. And I will share one more set of tools so that you surely succeed no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you think your obstacles are. I really believe that everyone, everyone can do this and everyone is capable of so many amazing things. So I will see you on the next episode. Until then. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple, and a lot more flow, share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.